Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Brighton podcast. We exist to help people love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coabrighton.org. That's C-O-A-H-Brighton.org. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back with you this morning. Um, Before we dive into the sermon, I did want to give a brief update on um, Aaron and Emily Peters. Aaron is our lead pastor, and um, Emily is our director of operations here. And I know we shared last week that Aaron's mom was recently diagnosed with cancer. And so I just want to give a brief update. Um, Unfortunately, the news has gotten worse. Uh, The doctors have found cancer um, all throughout her body in her pelvic area, lower back, ribs, lungs, and brain. And uh, things just are are looking pretty grim. And so if you would, um, definitely be praying for Aaron's mom, Cindy, and be praying for the entire Peters family right now. Um, Aaron and Emily and their family are still in Asheville right now with Aaron's mom and the whole family. And so while you think about it, just pray for them. And we want to just really love and support them all right now. So I know this is a really tough season. And so, um, yeah. So um, let, me, uh, let me go ahead and do that right now. And then we'll, we'll dive into the sermon. Let's pray. God, would you please be with Cindy right now? God, I pray that, Lord, I, I know you are able to do miracles. And um, Lord, we know that cancer is not too big for you. You are all powerful. God, would, we, we are asking for a miracle, Lord. Would you heal Cindy's body? Would you take away all the cancer? And God, if not, Lord, if that's, what, if that's not what you choose to do, Lord, we still ask, would you please take away the pain that she's feeling? Would you provide the right doctors, the right treatment, and the right steps forward? God, I pray that you would help the Peters family as they grieve and process right now. Lord, I pray that you give them safe outlets that they can go to to process what they're feeling And at the same time, Lord, would you give them hope, Lord, that you've promised that one day everyone who truly knows you through faith will get a new body. Lord, one day you will take away all pain, sorrow, and disease. Lord, I pray that there would be hope in that right now. God, would you help us to, as a church, to just love them well in this season. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, So last week, we finished up our Genesis series. And typically, as a church, uh, we love to go through, just preach through books of the Bible and just go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, We're in a little bit of, uh, we've got a unique season these next six weeks. We just finished Genesis. In October, we're going to start the book of John. And so in the meantime, in the next six weeks, we're starting a series called Life Together. And what this series is, is we're just talking about the basics of our life together as a church. We want to talk about basic topics like discipleship, gospel, community, mission, topics like that. They're just essential to how we live together as a church. And so today we're going to dive into discipleship. Uh, I love the definition of discipleship that Jeff Vanderstelt 
gives. He says, discipleship is the ongoing process of submitting all of life to Jesus and seeing him saturate your entire life and world with his presence and power. Discipleship means submitting everything to Jesus. It means growing as a Christian. It means anything that you can do to grow closer to God. It means living more and more like Jesus lived. Uh, Studying this week, I thought it was fascinating to see that the word Christian is actually only used three times in the New Testament. It's relatively uncommon. The far more common word in the New Testament is disciple. It's used over 250 times. In the Gospels, in the book of Acts, often the way that Christians are referred to are as disciples. That's just the common name that Christians were given in the New Testament. And I think the point that we can draw from that is that to be a Christian is to be a disciple. There are no Christians who are not disciples. If you're here and you are a Christian, that means we are all disciples together. And so discipleship is actually essential to what it means to even be a Christian. It's amazing to me that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he had three years that he was doing earthly ministry. And he spent the bulk of that time with 12 men, his 12 disciples, loving them and leading them, teaching them what it looked like to rely on his grace, to rightly study scripture, to live in community with one another, and to actually make other disciples who would multiply. Uh, Jesus believed that discipleship is actually essential. He spent a huge portion of his life just discipling others and making disciples, and so should we. Discipleship is actually, it's essential. I, I think most of us agree with that. I think all of us here who are Christians would say, we want to grow as disciples. We want to live more like Jesus lived, but we often feel stuck. I think many of us would say that we feel like we've just hit a snag in our relationship with God. Maybe when we first became Christians, we grew a lot and felt like we were learning so much and growing closer to God. And then maybe there's just a point that we kind of hit a wall and it became a lot more difficult to grow as a Christian. Maybe it's the busyness of life and just the fast pace of job, family, hobbies. They feel like you're just crowding out your schedule. It's just hard to find the time to actually read your Bible, to pray, to share the gospel. Maybe for others of us, uh, there's been some really deep hurt, suffering, pain that's just prevented. You feel like there's just, there's no way you could get there to just growing with God right now just feels impossible. And so what I want to talk about today is how do we, how do we do that? And all the busyness and messiness of life. How can we grow as disciples? So we are growing in how we submit everything to Jesus. Uh, When we pick up in 2 Timothy, we see that Paul, he's actually teaching Timothy what it means to live as a disciple. Paul is giving Timothy these really basic instructions. Hey, Timothy, here's what it looks like for you to live as a disciple. And here's what it looks like for you to also make other disciples. And Paul was, he was very familiar with suffering and busyness. He talks about that all in 2 Timothy 1. Then right after the passage we're looking at in 2 Timothy 2, um, he continues to just talk about the suffering that happens in life. And he's saying, hey, 
in all that busyness, all that suffering, here's what it means to be a disciple. If you're here today, I want you to have that too. I want you to leave today knowing how you can grow as a disciple and what it looks like for you to disciple others. Just to be really honest, I think for all of us as a church, I think in the next year, one of the biggest ways that we will grow and also one of the biggest ways that we need to grow is in our discipleship. We need to grow in our spiritual formation and how we read the Bible and how we pray and how we share the gospel and how we rest and how we prioritize community together. Spiritual disciplines like that, I think we need to grow as a church and I think by God's grace, we will grow in the next year. And so I wanna talk about how do we do it practically? I think Paul gives us at least four ways that we can grow together as disciples. The first is that we need to be strengthened by grace through Jesus. We need to learn biblical doctrine. That's the second thing. Third, we need to live in genuine community. And then fourth, we need to make disciples who multiply. So I want to talk about all four of those things from 2 Timothy 2. So let's look at the first one. Uh, we need to be strengthened by grace through Jesus. This is foundational. It's what it means to be a disciple. If we don't get this right, we will never grow as disciples together. Let me show you uh, just 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. It says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love that word grace. It's so important. Uh, but also sometimes it's part of our Christian lingo that we use. When we say grace, what we mean is the unmerited favor that God gives Christians. God's grace is, uh, it's his undeserved forgiveness. We know that each of us, we have rebelled against God and we have, because of our sin, we are far from him. But because of Jesus, through his perfect life, atoning death and victorious resurrection, when we put our faith in that, we receive grace. God's forgiveness accomplished through Jesus. That is grace. It's unmerited favor. And that is absolutely true. But that's not all grace is. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Notice, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that's found in Christ Jesus. You see, grace, it's, it's unmerited favor, and it's also power. God's grace is the electricity that makes the whole Christian life run. For us as Christians, anything that God calls us to do, he gives us the grace to be able to do it. You see, there, there is nothing in the Christian life that God says, hey, just go figure that out on your own. Muster up, muster up the, the willpower to go figure it out. Everything that God tells us to do, he actually, he gives us the power, the grace to actually go and do it. Um, if, if you're a Christian, anything God asks you to do, he will also give you the power to do. Grace is the energy, the ability, the motivation to actually obey God. That's what grace is. And so some of you here, you feel stuck in your walk with God because you need to rely more on the grace of God. Some of you, you feel stuck in your spiritual journey because you need to go to God and say, God, help me. Lord, give me power. God, I know I can't change myself on my own. Lord, I need your help. Please, through the death of Jesus in my place, would you help me? God, change me. Give me the motivation I need, the power I need, the grace I need. God, would you work in my life by your spirit? 
Would you give me your grace so I can actually obey you, so I can grow as a disciple and live more in line with your ways? You will only live like Jesus if you draw close to Jesus. I love that line, so I'm going to say it again. You will only live like Jesus if you draw closer to Jesus. Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, I know you can't change yourself. And these, these people you're discipling, they can't do it either. You can't just grit your teeth and muster up the strength. Saying, Timothy, there is a greater strength. Timothy, there is a grace that only comes from God. Timothy, be strengthened by that. Rely on that. Be changed by that. It's by the grace of God, his, the undeserved forgiveness that he gives each of us through Jesus. That's what we need to grow as disciples. We need to let our hearts be melted by the grace of God and the undeserved forgiveness that he gives us. That's how we find strength to grow as a disciple. I love... Um, in the, the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see this over and over and over again. We watch as the disciples, they're not able to do something on their own. And then through Jesus, they find strength to do it. We, uh, we see that the disciples, they were far from God, but Jesus comes and says, follow me. And so their life is completely reoriented. The disciples, they're not able to do miracles and to cast out demons. And so Jesus, he gives them the authority to do it. The disciples, they're not able to feed the crowds, but Jesus is the one who multiplies the bread and the fish so they can go and do it. The disciples were afraid on the boat in the storm, but Jesus came, he walked on water and came near to them and said, don't be afraid. After the death of Jesus, the disciples were scared and afraid and they were hiding. And Jesus in his resurrected body came to them and said, he comforted them and he said, take strength in me, I'm alive. It's only through Jesus that we get the strength that we need to actually live as disciples. To be a disciple, you have to be strengthened by grace. There's a, there was a good friend of mine in college who uh, freshman year, he did all the typical college freshman things where he was going out to party and drinking a lot and all that stuff. He grew up in a Christian home, but just started to really rebel in college. And at, at, at about halfway through his freshman year, he started to get connected with our community group. And so he started to uh, come around and he's playing volleyball with us and coming to Bible study. And it became really clear that he didn't actually know the gospel. Even though he grew up in a Christian home, he thought he had to earn God's favor. He didn't realize it was only through the death of Jesus in his place that he could receive God's forgiveness. And so he kept, he, he was trying to live like a Christian and stop the partying, you know, don't, don't do drugs, that kind of stuff. And he, just, he wasn't able to do it. He kept going back to these, those same things. And so our community group, we kept sharing the gospel with him over and over again. And I'll never forget, there was one time that we were sitting down for lunch and I could tell something was different. We started to talk about the gospel and I could tell something had just clicked in his heart. And he, he told me that uh, his friends or his, uh, his roommates were getting high the night before. And he told me, he was like, for the first time, I didn't want to join them. He's like, my desires are different. He's like, I just didn't want it anymore. That's what grace does. 
Grace, it changes our desires. It, it, it's, a, it's a new motivation. It's a power. God's grace is how we're actually able to obey him. We're only able to grow as disciples when we're resting in the gospel and leaning on the grace of God. To grow as a disciple, you need to be strengthened by grace. There's also three more things that I want us to see, and I'll be a little bit briefer with these next three. So we need to be strengthened by the grace that comes through Jesus. But second, we need to learn biblical doctrine. To grow as disciples, we need to be deeply rooted in God's word. The only way that we're actually going to know God better is by seeing him in scripture. Let me show this to you in this passage. 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, Paul tells Timothy, and what you have heard from me. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, there's a message I've entrusted to you that I need you to actually go and trust to others. And so we have to ask, Paul, what did you entrust to Timothy? What's the message that you passed along to him? And to answer that question, we actually have to back up to the book of 1 Timothy. This is another letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, this is what Paul said to, Tim- to Timothy. He said, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And skipping down to verse 18, Paul says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. So Paul's saying, Timothy, I'm charging you. I'm entrusting you with this. Teach good doctrine. Timothy, there, there are false teachings out there. there. There are bad things that people are believing. And Timothy, I need you to teach what's right. Timothy, I need you to go to scripture and teach good biblical doctrine to people. You need to help them grow in that. Paul's saying, that, that's what I'm entrusting you with. Paul uses that same language in 2 Timothy 2. He's saying, Timothy, I'm entrusted, the thing I entrusted you with, I need you to go and teach that to others. We know that good biblical doctrine, the way Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy 1, is just the gospel. The core of scripture is, is just the gospel story. That even though we hated God, God loved us so much that he died for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And we have that only by believing in him. Paul's saying, Timothy, teach that. That's what you need. So to grow as disciples, we actually, we need to learn good biblical doctrine. It, it's so important. You know, I think sometimes we feel like scripture might not be relevant to our lives. It can feel dated. And admittedly, scripture can be really hard. There's books like Leviticus. I don't think anyone wakes up and says, can't wait to read Leviticus this morning. There are parts of scripture that are really tough. And yet, it is still relevant to all of life. I saw this interview with Danielle Allen. She's a professor at Harvard. And when she was asked, Danielle, what books have left you transformed? This is what she said. She said, it's hard to answer that question without just saying the Bible. It certainly always helped me with some of life's toughest challenges, from anger and despair to fear and pride. It always helps me focus on seeking to bring a loving spirit into the world every day. I love that. The Bible, it's transformative. It will help you face all of life. The toughest challenges, anger, despair, fear, pride. God has something to say about that. And he, he speaks to us through scripture to help us grow as disciples. 
To grow as a disciple, I want you to be reading the Bible and be reading good resources that are going to help you understand the Bible better. Let me just give you a few easy ways, a, a few simple ways that you can do that. First, we have a church reading plan that I would love for you to join. We, uh, we do a five-by-five five plan. It's five chapters in a week. And so it's, uh, it's just every weekday, there's one chapter that you go through and then the weekends are either free reading or catch up because we all miss some Bible reading. And so I would love, we have copies of that Bible reading plan in the lobby. We send it out in the weekly email. We even, we have a Slack channel for people to just chat about what they're reading in the Bible. I would love for you to join that. I get reading the Bible consistently, it's tough, but we want to do it together as a church. So we're all diving deep into scripture. That's going to be the most important way for you to learn good biblical doctrine. I also, I want you to be reading good resources that are going to help you apply the Bible to your life. Uh, we've got, shameless plug, we have a resource table in the back here. Uh, just to be super clear, we do not make money on that, so caveat. I'm not trying to sell you on something. Uh, we actually, we sell everything at a discount to make it easier for everyone, but we've just put out some basic resources that are going to take the Bible and help you apply it to your life. We know it can, it can be hard to apply the Bible to all the daily struggles, and so we just want to provide you really good books. So I'd encourage you, take a look at those books in the back and consider maybe there's one that you just want to pick up and you could start reading this week. It's going to help you learn good biblical doctrine and apply it to your life. Here's the third thing that you could do. Uh, I think a lot of us listen to podcasts. We Maybe when you're driving, when you're at the gym, I just want to encourage you, listen to good Christian podcasts. Find some that are going to help you actually learn the Bible better and apply it to your life. Uh, just to be frank, not all Christian podcasts are made equal. <laughs> some are better than others. I, uh, I love, I hear from a lot of you that the, one of the podcasts that you really love is the Tim Keller Sermon Podcast. I love that podcast. Keller's great. He taught so faithfully. He will, he will help you take the Bible and apply it to your life, and it's always so gospel-centered. I would encourage you, maybe just one, one sermon a week, you know, while you're driving, while you're at the gym. It's just going to help you take Scripture and apply it to your life. And my hope for you is that the more that you're reading Scripture, the more that you're diving into it, that's actually going to help you see the overall narrative of Scripture. That God, He spoke the world into existence. It was through God's Word that everything was created. And yet, you and I, we've rebelled against that. We have disobeyed God's commandments. We have broken God's Word. We didn't keep it. And so we were separated from God. And yet what God did is he sent his son, the word made flesh. Jesus came and he walked in perfect obedience to God's word. And then on the cross, the word of God was crucified for you and me so that simply by believing in him, we could truly know God and have a relationship with him. I would love for each of you to be going deep into scripture and to have that gospel message just daily pressed onto your heart. To grow as disciples, we're going to have to learn good biblical doctrine. We have to do that to grow as disciples. We need to be strengthened by the grace that only comes through Jesus. We need to learn good biblical doctrine. And then there's a third thing that Paul gives us in this passage. We need to live in genuine community. We can't grow as disciples by ourselves. American culture 
is very individualistic. A lot of American culture will often say, you can just do things on your own. You do you. Whatever feels right to you, you do that. Christianity has something better. It says you were made for community. You were made to live with other Christians who are going to love you and care for you and help you grow as a disciple. And they also need you to help them grow as a disciple. Let me show this to you in the passage. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul says to Timothy, you then, my child. I love this so much. Uh, Paul is not Timothy's biological or adoptive dad. But Paul, he loved Timothy. He had this really close relationship with him. And so what he's doing is he's writing to Timothy and he says, Timothy, you're my child. We see that Paul and Timothy, they had this really close, deep personal relationship with one another. Paul's relationship with Timothy, it wasn't this cold managerial thing like, hey, Timothy, just come on, Timothy, you got to grow. Grow as a disciple, Timothy. You got to teach better. You need to be a better Christian. No, Paul, he loved Timothy. He treated Timothy like his own son. I think the takeaway for us is that our discipleship, it needs to be deeply personal. You will only grow as a disciple when you are in deep, close, intimate community with other Christians. Just to be real with you, you need other people who know you. You need other Christians who know what's going on in your life, who can love you, care for you, and sometimes call you out. We all wander. I wander. I struggle with sin. I know you do too. We need genuine community who's going to be there to love us, who knows us deeply. Paul, he also says in 2 Timothy 2.2, he talks about, he tells Timothy, I've told you these things in the presence of many witnesses. What's that about? Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, all these things I told you, there were other Christians there who heard it too. They, they, can, they, can, they can verify. What I taught you was God's word and the gospel. What Paul's saying is his discipleship, it happened with the church. Paul wasn't just trying to do this one-on-one thing. You know, at, you know, as amazing as Paul was, he wasn't just trying to do a solo act. Paul needed the church. Listen, if Paul needed the church to make disciples, guys, we need the church too to actually make disciples. What Paul is saying is, Timothy, I, I discipled you and a whole host of other believers. And so we need that too. We need the whole church. We need the body of Christ in order to make disciples. Genuine discipleship will only happen in Christian community. I love, we get a beautiful picture of this in Acts. The book of Acts is one of the clearest pictures of discipleship. And Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. This is one of those foundational passages for our church that we say in our weekend or membership course. This is what we, this is what we want as a church. Let me just highlight a few things briefly of what, the community in the early church looked like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so they were in scripture together. They were eating meals together. They were praying together. They were amazed by God and the miracles that he was doing. It says that they had all things in common. They had a radical unity in their diversity. It says that they were sharing their financial resources with one another. They were helping one another when there was need. They were going to the temple together to worship God. They were eating meals in one another's homes. They were praising God. And God took that little community of believers and he blessed it. So it multiplied. I would love for our community, a city on a hill church, Brighton, to look more and more like that, 
where we are living in deep, genuine community, sharing meals together, in God's word together, going to church together. I know so many of you are already doing this and that, that makes me so excited. And we just, we need to continue to grow in our discipleship, in our genuine community. I think it'd be amazing if in the times that we just hang out together, just the casual times, if we just talk with one another, hey, how's your walk with God going? Hey, what have you been learning in scripture this week? Is there someone in your life that you've been talking with about Jesus? I would love for conversations like that to just become a normal part of our time together where we just talk about our relationship with God. I think there's a few other practical ways that we can actually live in genuine community even more. Here's a simple one. Prioritize coming to church. I think for some of you, living in genuine community is going to mean making the Sunday gathering more of a priority. And please hear me on this. I know we all miss Sunday church. I'm not saying it's a sin to miss church. That's not what I'm saying. But we do need, there's something so special that God does in this time. We're all gathered together. We need to be here as much as we can, worshiping with one another, seeing one another, sitting underneath the preaching of God's word and taking the Lord's Supper together. We need that. Your soul needs that. So maybe for you, living in genuine community, it means being here at church on Sundays as much as you can. Maybe for you, living in genuine community, it means becoming a church member. What we do as a church is we have a weekender membership course and we just talk about everything that we believe as a church, our strategy, our vision, our mission. And after that course, there's a process where you can become a member of the church. Being a member here, it means covenanting together to be part of the family. They're going to love and care and serve and be loved and cared and served and be held accountable to follow God. For some of you, you need to take that next step. For some of you, you need to become a member and covenant together with our church to be loved and cared for. And listen, our church needs you. Our church family needs you to covenant together to say, I'm going to love this church and care and serve. Another way that we can live in genuine community and maybe one of the most important ways is by joining a community group. We, we say this that all the time, that our community groups genuinely are the backbone of our church. We're not just a church with community groups. We are a church of community groups. We do, uh, we here pretty soon, our groups are restarting. And what we'll do in our community groups is we'll take the sermon, we'll, uh, sorry, we'll have fellowship together. And then we'll just take the sermon and we'll just talk about it. We'll talk about what, what did you see? What are you learning? How do we apply this to our lives? We'll pray together. If you're not in a community group, I would love for you to join a group here soon. It really is the best way to get to know people in our church, to build deeper relationships. And then I love, we do large group meetings together, uh, men, women, kids, all together. And then in October, halfway through October, we're also going to start small group meetings. We use what we call a DNA model. And DNA just stands for Discover, Nurture, Act. What we're saying is together in a small group of three to four people of the same gender, we want to take scripture and we want to discover what's in scripture. We want to nurture one another's hearts with what we're seeing. And then we want to act in obedience to it. What we do in our small group meetings, it is genuinely one of the best ways for you to grow as a disciple. It's going to be a place where you're going to find people who are caring for you deeply, who are going to hold you accountable, 
who are going to help you live more in obedience to God's word. If you're not in a, in a small group DNA yet, I would love this fall to be the time that you take that next step. And you're going to see as God works in your life to help you grow as a disciple. We were, uh, we were meeting with our community group leaders yesterday. And I mean, just I could feel each of us, each of our community group leaders feel so deeply that we want to help our church grow as disciples, that we want to use our large group meetings and our small group meetings and time outside of that to help each of us grow and go deeper with Jesus. We want to see all of life saturated with the gospel. And so joining a community group, it's going to be one of the best ways to do that. I would love if this fall, if you went to your community group leader and you asked them, hey, will you help me grow as a disciple? Will you help me learn to really read my Bible? Will you help me learn to pray regularly? Will you help me learn to share the gospel with my coworker? Our our community group leaders would love that so much. Please, like go and ask, ask for help. I know that they would love to help you with that. So to grow as disciples, we need to be strengthened by grace. We need to learn biblical doctrine. We need to live in genuine community. And here's the fourth one. We need to make disciples who multiply. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. Paul tells Timothy, this message that I've entrusted to you, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, Some commentators argue that when Paul says faithful men, that he's referring to pastors. And that seems possible. I think either way though, there's still something that we can draw for all of us here. What Paul is saying is, Timothy, I've discipled you. Now, Timothy, go and disciple others who are also going to make disciples. This is four generations of discipleship that Paul's laying out. This is the vision that Paul's giving us of disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who multiply to reach non-Christians. Um, you know, Jesus, right before he ascended in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's what Jesus has commanded all of us to do. Go and make disciples who are going to multiply to reach the nations. That's what Jesus has given us. Here's the reality. We either make disciples or be disobedient. There's no middle ground. Jesus has told us, go and make disciples. I love the way that many have said it. They said, we need to make the final words of Jesus our first work. We need to make disciples who multiply. And the only way we do that, it's not through legalism. It's not to earn God's favor. It's by relying on the grace of God. I love reading about the early church. In the early church, they went from 12 disciples that Jesus discipled to 120 people in an upper room before Pentecost. And what God did is he took that group of 120 people, disciples who were fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, and Jesus used that group of 120 people to faithfully make disciples. You read through the book of Acts, you see they start to grow. God's blessing them. They grow to a few thousand, but only a few thousand people. But God did something amazing with all these Christians in the Roman Empire. In intense persecution, the early Christians, many of them were killed for sport, They were thrown into arenas and crowds cheered as they watched 
than die. Christians were uh, stripped of economic means. They were often persecuted. And yet, they faithfully made disciples. Even though it was sometimes illegal, they prioritized. We're going to gather together as Christians. We're going to read God's word together. We're going to hear good preaching. We're going to sing to God. And God, he slowly blessed that. In the midst of so much persecution, to the point halfway through the fourth century, the church had grown to over half the Roman Empire. How does that happen? How, how does a little sect, a seeming sect, grow to be the dominant religion of the Roman Empire? It's through the grace of God, a move of his spirit, to make disciples who multiply, to make more disciples. Listen, I'm looking at this room of us in here. I would love for us to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples so we can reach and love the city of Boston. Boston needs it. Boston needs more Christians who are going to love and serve and care. And the way that happens is through us relying on the grace of God, going deep into the gospel, remembering that the thing that got all this started was the death of Jesus in our place so we'd be forgiven and loved by simply having faith in that. God took the death of Jesus and so he started to grow this community of Christians. And Christianity is still at work today. We need to make disciples who make disciples. I want to take time here, uh, right at the end, for us to each individually reflect. There's a few questions I want you to just think about on your own. Maybe you have a notebook that you could write down an answer. Maybe you, uh, maybe you want to take out your phone and just type in a note. Or maybe you just reflect on it in your mind. Here's the first question I want you to think about just for a few seconds. This year, how do you need to grow as a disciple? How do you need to grow as a disciple this year? Maybe you want to be more consistent in God's word. Maybe you want to be sharing the gospel with people or more consistent in prayer. Maybe you want to be here on Sunday mornings more or join a community group or become a member or something else. I just want you to think for a moment, what does it look like for you to grow as a disciple? in this next year. The second question that I want you to reflect on, who do you need to go to for discipleship? Who is it in your life that you need to be going to to help you grow as a Christian? For many of you, this is going to be a DNA. This is going to be a small group of three to four people where you're discipling one another so that together you're helping one another submit all of life to Jesus. Maybe for others of you, if you're not in a DNA, maybe you need a good Christian friend, a mentor, who's going to help you. So who's, who's that person or those people who are going to help you grow as a disciple in this next year? And then the last question I want you to reflect on, who do you need to disciple? Who's someone that God's put on your heart that you need to disciple? Listen, we, we must Jesus has given us a commission. We, know to, we need to go and make disciples. Who's that person that you need to disciple, that you need to help grow as a Christian? Maybe it's someone in your DNA group. Maybe it's someone at work or at school or in your family. Who is that that you need to help grow as a disciple? The only way that we're going to do this is by relying on the grace of God. Jesus was the perfect disciple. Jesus was the one who perfectly obeyed God's word and his life is the model that he gave us. Here's what it looks like to live as a disciple and yet we, we fail 
so often. And when we fail, we find God's grace because Jesus on the cross, he died and rose again so that you, can I, you and I can have his perfect record. And that's the motivation. That's the power that we have to obey God. We need to be strengthened by the grace of God through Jesus. We need to learn good biblical doctrine. We need to live in genuine community. And we need to make disciples who multiply. Let's be that kind of church. Let's pray.